morning, everyone. I don't know. Every time I come on stage, I always feel ner nervous. Um, it's like my knees are going to give way every time, every single time. Especially, you know, after a very powerful time of worship. And who among you are blessed with our music team? I hope you're blessed with our music team. Ushers, we have more seats in front. Come over. Occupy the empty seats. All right, let's just occupy the empty seats. Now, thank you, Jean, for that wonderful exhortation as well. And, and like what Jean said, um, obeying the word of God, you know, comes with it blessings. And who among you are blessed this morning? All right, I'm going to ask one more time, okay? And if you don't lift your hands, maybe the blessing will not come, all right? So who among you? are blessed this morning. Ayon! Alright! Right, good morning, everyone. My name is Mitch, um, and I currently lead the team here in Every Nation Bahrain. Now, on behalf of my family and the wonderful men and women who serve with us, right, thank you so much for being here. And if last week, we celebrated our 10th anniversary. I mean, imagine, 10 years of doing this and we're more excited we're get we're getting excited on the new season that's coming amen um and this is my family with me right here this is my son on your right right that's cj he's not here right now he's in the philippines beside her beside him is my wonderful wife i also call her my boss all right when she says drive i become the driver when he says cook i become the chef Right? And we've been doing it together for 24 wonderful years. Of course, next to her is my wonderful daughter. Right? And I'm so blessed to have a daughter who's working. You know why? Guess why? I get free coffee. Right? Free coffee. And then, of course, um, that's me over right there. Now, today we are starting a series entitled Word View. Right? Word view. And when we say word view, we're going to talk about the word of God. So in, in the next eight weeks, right, word view is actually an eight-week series in the word of which, you know, eight-week series in the word of God. And it's so important because the word of God is perfect. It doesn't have any mistakes. It's authoritative. And because we are followers of God, who among your followers of God? All right. Who among your appointed children of God? Oh, damn <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Um, because we are children of God, it also comes, I mean, it, it's, it's given, rather, that we should follow the Word of God. Amen? If we are children of God, it's a given that we should follow the Word of God. Now, who among you would agree with me when I say that as Christians, as Christians, our views, beliefs, and convictions should no longer be shaped by the world view or by the view of the world? Who among you would agree with me when I say that our mode of thinking, our way of thinking, our decision-making patterns should... Suddenly, I fall, no? It's not rapture if I fall, okay? Call the ambulance if that happens. Um, who among you would agree with me that as children of God, our decision-making, our way of thinking, the way we do our lives should not be shaped by the ways of the world. It, it should rather be shaped 
by the ways of the word without an L. It should be shaped by the word of God. And, and that's our prayer for this entire series, right? That all of us may understand the authority and veracity of the scriptures so that by God's grace, we can only obey God's word, not by our strength, not by our knowledge, but only by God's grace, so that by God's grace, we can devote ourselves to study, obey, what else? And apply God's word. Because studying, meditating, entails something. It entails obeying and applying. And to obey and apply God's word, we need His grace. Amen? Now, a research conducted in 2021 rather, says that more people have actually been reading their Bibles during the pandemic. Now, who among you started reading their Bibles during the pandemic? Or who among you have been more prayerful during the pandemic? All of us. All of us, right? It means uh, most, you know, that's a, we, but just reading and, you know, just reading and meditating on the Word, we miss the point if we don't apply it. If we read the Word, meditate on the Word, but there's no changed life, do you think, do you agree with me when I say we missed the point? Because reading in the Word and meditating on it should entail a changed life. An example would be, all right, this, this is an example, right? Why do we still believe in luck? Okay? When, when someone does her exam or when someone, you know, does the driving exam or goes for an interview, the first response we say is good luck. Why do we do that? Is luck written in the Bible? It's not. Why? Because believing in luck is bad luck. And that's a joke. Just to check if you're awake. Okay? <laughs> but joking aside, the truth is, being established in the Word means that we must be immersed in the Word. Not just merely going through it as a program, but we have to be really immersed in the Word. You know, reading the Bible over a certain period of time, that's not it. It's more than reading the whole Bible in a certain period of time. There's also the application part of it. Because if we want to be immersed in the Word, the only way that people will see that we are immersed in the Word is if we apply what we read. And honestly, if you apply what you read, you will find delight in that. And if you find delight in the Word, what's, what's going to happen next? You're going to be excited to share the Word. So reading, being immersed, entails an action. If we really are convinced, truly and truly understand the authority of God's Word, we will naturally respond in devotion and meditation to the Word of God. And as a result, you know what's going to happen? We're going to share it with others. Understanding the scriptures so that we can devote ourselves to God's word and share it with others. Who among you watched Ghost Doctor? Oh, wow, okay. Uh, what's the latest uh, movie? Top Gun. All right, who among you watched Top Gun? Twice, all right. Are you, aren't you always tempted to share it with others? Not to spoil them, but to spoil their excitement. 
But because you're so excited for the movie, does this happen to you? You talk about it, you share it, right? Does it happen to you? So if the Word of God truly delights you, then you should also share it naturally the same way that you get excited with the movie or the same way when you get excited with the Korean novella. Right? Question is, if we're excited with Korean novella and we're excited to share it with others, why then aren't we sharing the gospel? Why then aren't we sharing the word? Question mark. So are we truly delighted by the word? Amen? Now, some books of the Bible, right, were actually written 3,400 years ago, right? Job, Genesis. It was actually written about 3,400 years ago. Who was born then? Checking lang. Right? Okay, it was written 3,400 years ago. But guess what? Even today, the Bible is the most important book and it's still relevant. Imagine that. 3,400 years ago, that was, the Bible was written. And up to now, it's still relevant. It's still important. You still can go to it, through it, and you will still see how it can be applied in your lives. That's how important this book is. And here is another encouragement. And it's not about prosperity. Okay? It's not about prosperity. Like what Jean said earlier, there is a blessing when we devote ourselves to the Word of God. There's a blessing. Now, but it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Devotion to the Word of God entails commitment to meditate on it every day. That's how, that, that's how devotion is so difficult. How it's difficult to wake up early in the morning and read the Bible and meditate on it, right? But if we want the blessing, and I'm not talking about just material blessing, but real blessing, if we want that blessing, you know what? We have to meditate on the Bible. Right? And open your Bibles with me to Psalm 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And we'll be in this uh, set of verses the whole afternoon. Right? Psalm 1, 1 to 3. And in reverence of the word, why don't you stand up with me? And let's read it all together. Okay? Are you there? Right? So, when you read this, right? When you read this, read it with your heart. Don't just read it with your mind or with your eyes. Read it with your heart. Let's read it all together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the sit seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Father, I pray, Lord God, that this morning, Lord, let your word come alive in our hearts and in our minds and in our imaginations. Lord, let this preaching of your word not just be, Lord God, a, a mental ascent, Lord God. Let it be not just a quota that has been met, Lord, but let it be transformation, Lord God, that can be seen in our lives. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in a personal way. Lord, help us, Lord God, apply the word today, every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may now be seated. 
Right? Who among you love the book of Psalms? I do. I read it every day. I read at least a chapter or uh, 10 verses every day in the book of Psalms. Why? Because for me, the book of Psalms is an irreplaceable devotional guide. It's an irreplaceable devotional guide. It's also a prayer book and a hymnal. Now, what I do is when I read the book of Psalms and I come across a verse that touches me, that impact, makes an impact uh, in my life, or, or I, I, when I feel that this verse is speaking to me, I pause and I start praying that verse. That's how important the book of Psalm is for me. And I hope it will also be for you. Psalm 1 is actually a wisdom book that is placed cleverly in the first chapter. Why is it placed in the first chapter? Because it's Psalm 1, right? First chapter, right? Psalm 1 is actually a wisdom psalm, and whoever placed it in the first part of the psalm is actually a genius. Why? Because it points to the way of the blessing and it also warns us of an, eternal punish, of an eternal punishment. Well, the psalm talks about, you know, if you read Psalm 1, it's just a few verses. Well, it talks about two ways, right? When you look, about, when you look at the psalm, it talks about two ways. The way of, the, of being blessed and the way of being punished. But this morning, I want to talk about three people. And as I talk about three people, I hope and I pray that you find yourselves in one of those. The first person is actually a person who is not blessed or how not to be blessed. The second person is a person who found the blessing. And the third person is a person that needs the blessing. I will be talking now about the first two. And if we have time, we'll talk about the third. But if we don't have time, please go through Psalm 1. It's just a few chapters. And read about the man who, is not, uh, who needs the blessing. Amen? Let's go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? nor stands in the way of sinners, nor si sits, sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, we hear, now over here, we see the word blessed. Right? And we hear, we hear, we hear the word blessed a lot. Amen? When someone gives you something, what do you say? Thank you for the blessing. When, when, when you look at a person who has so much in life, what do you say? He's a blessed person. Right? When you talk about, when you see a person who has like 20 cars, 20 cars, wow. Right? He's blessed, right? When you look at a person who has a big house, he's blessed, right? And we also sing about it, right? When we read the Bible, we see that. When we sing about it, and uh, who wants to hear the song about blessing? Right, thank you for not raising your hands. Okay? But do we really know what blessing means? Do we really know what, means, what it means to be blessed? Do we? To some of us, being blessed means that we have gathered material riches. To some of us, we know that we are blessed when we have influence. To some of us, we know that we are blessed when we are, we have, we are famous. Right? But when we look at someone who is blessed, is he really blessed all the time? When we look at someone with a new car and who has no hair, he's not here, so I can talk about him. Oh, he's there. Okay. When we talk about someone who has a new car, right, we think that he is blessed. But, you know, 
One time, he, he called me up and he said, Kuya, there's this light in the car. There's this warning that's in the car. Do you think he's blessed at that time? Eh? When we talk about someone who is blessed, we are reminded of people who have high salaries, very high salaries, in tens of thousands maybe. But when his wife is fighting with him, do you think he's still blessed? No. When we talk about being blessed, we think of someone who has the perfect job who has everything in life, but when his boss gives him a warning letter, is he still blessed? So being blessed really means that, it, 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 being blessed really means that we, some, what I'm trying to say is that we have a different, um, we, we see being blessed in a different way sometimes. But there should be a common denominator of that, among that. I believe that there is more to just having a lot in life. I have met people who have, you know, just barely enough, and I was that person before, but we were happy. Now, a few years ago, and let me tell you a story, a few years ago, a very, like, very recently, a few years ago when I was 25 years old, my salary was just 150 BD. But even when my salary was 100, and, and it's not just about the salary being 150 BD, our salaries also come after three months. But guess what? In those times, I was happy those times. Why? Because I never heard my family complain. Even if my salary is 150 and it comes after three months, there was no complaint. I was contented. I was satisfied. But to some of us, that is not a view of a someone that is being blessed. So what does it really mean to be blessed? And, the, and, and to understand what that means, um, I don't usually do this, but I'd like us to see the Hebrew translation of this word. And the Hebrew, 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 the Hebrew translation of this word is Asher. Asher. Okay? So whenever you come to the church, I hope to get reminded about this word, Asher. Okay? When you come in, you will see the Asher smiling. Okay, that's how a being blessed means. All right? This is the definition of, how, of blessedness in this context. Right? The blessedness of walking forward, making progress, by what? By going in God's straight line. And I want you to take note of that. And I'll be talking about that several times this afternoon. So what does it mean to be blessed? It means that being blessed is walking forward, making progress by, walking, by going in God's straight line. A parallel um, uh, definition of this would be, right? The inviable, inviable, how do you pronounce it? Inviable position of going forward by the grace of God to know Him better. Wow. That's the perfect definition of a blessed person. We say that a person is blessed when we envy Him because He is going forward by the grace of God to what? To know Him better and not to prove something. We say that a person is blessed because he's moving forward not by his own strength but by the grace of God. And what's his purpose? 
What's the reason why he's going forward? It's to know him better. And sometimes when we serve in the church, or sometimes when you come to church, we have a different perspective when we say we want the blessing. Sometimes when we come to church, we say, I'm going to church so that I can receive God's blessings in the form of material things. In the form of friendships, in the form of relationships, in the form of leadership. By the way, leadership is not a position. Let me just go off tangent here. Leadership is not a position. It's not. It's an action. So whether you're new in the church or you're old in the church, if you want to be a leader, devote yourself in God's Word. Meditate on it so that as you meditate on it, you act on God's Word and lead people. Leadership is not a position. Alright? So if you envy a person that is blessed, you envy him not because he has a lot of cars, not because he has a lot of friends, but rather you envy him because he is going forward not by his strength, but by the strength God has given him through his grace. And the purpose is so that, to know, so that he can know him better and build a relationship that is going to last him not only in this lifetime, through, but through eternity. Because the only relationship that you can take with you when you leave this world is your relationship with God. Blessed. And when, when you look further, all right, when you look at the verse, it doesn't say, blessed is the person who is healthy. Doesn't it? It didn't say that. It didn't say, blessed is the person who is wealthy. Blessed is the person that has no problems in the world. Did it say that? Rather, it says, blessed is the person who walks in the not in the counsel of the wicked. We're not saying that blessed people are not going to be impacted by the broken world. They are. We still get impacted. Right? We still get impacted by this broken world. We still feel headaches. We still feel pressures from this world. We still feel pressures from deadlines. We still feel pressures to perform. But for me and my house, as long as we serve because we want to know God more, that's more than enough. And I hope it's the same for you. We're saying that being blessed entails something more than what your eyes can see. Being blessed is more than that. And here, are, here the verse we read reflects how perfect and authoritative, authoritative God is. You see this word, it's perfect, and you see how authoritative it is. It's interesting how being blessed means walking forward, making progress with God in a straight line. Because I have yet to see a person who is sad, who has regretted following God's commands. I'm still to see a person who has regretted that. So it really makes sense when the word says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. What does walking in the counsel of the wicked mean? Have you ever thought of that? Right? We love counsel. Who doesn't? Do you love counsel? We all love counsel. When, okay, <laughs> my friend, okay, who has no hair, Okay. When my friend was looking to buy a car, you know, he would message me, 
He would message Sherwin, he would message everyone who had cars and talk about and ask about cars. Any one of us will do that. When we have problems, we have, when we face challenges in life, we have, we love counsel. Amen? Soon after, he was on the internet already looking for a model. And soon after, when he saw the model that he wanted to buy, he made his research. And soon after that, he went to the dealer and asked the dealer, okay, what's the benefits of buying this car and so on and so forth. Now, there is nothing wrong in seeking the counsel of others. But the question would be really, where are you seeking counsel from? Where are you seeking counsel from? Now, there is a lot of information floating out there. With the aid of the internet, there has never been a time where information has been readily available to us. When I when in one of our meetings, I had this verse in my head, but I don't know the entire verse. Okay? So I googled blah 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 ESV. Okay. And then pretended, you know what? <laughs> it's written in this verse. <laughs> but it's readily available in your hand. Right? And a consultant and research company that I worked with before um, said that in, in a certain time, in, in the coming decades, universities will be outdated. Why? Because it, it's going to be a gig economy. When we say a gig economy, you have people that are you know, specialized in this, who have never gone to university, but they're really good at it, and then you give them that job. And how did they learn? How did they learn YouTube? My daughter, she's not here so I can talk about her. Okay. So don't be absent in church. Because if you're absent in church, I will talk about you. Okay. My daughter learned how to play keyboards, learned how to play guitar, even my son. Learned how to play the guitar, learned how to play the drums. How? On YouTube. Of course, there were people that taught her basics. Because information is readily available today. She's back. So I won't talk about it anymore. So the question would really be, who, you know, and who among us, rather, sought the advice of someone and then regretted it after? Who among us happened, you know? Kuya, can I take that job? And then when you're there, suddenly you see that that job is not good for you. Now, who among you experienced this? You sought the advice of a person that you really, you know, look up to, but soon after regretted it. A lot of us happen, a lot of us experience that. A lot of us experience that. So what did Pastor Roel say? Right? Just say, I forgive you. Right? Now, most of us, if not all, at one point in our lives, regretted following the counsel of a friend. Most of us. Is he the right person for me? Is she the right person for me? Eh, since they're friends, they said yes. And then you regretted it after. Um, what does all leadership books have in common? Right? Aside from being written by successful leaders. Have you ever thought about that? What does all leadership books have in common? What they have in common is this that their leadership style is the best. I kid you not. Get 10 leadership books, 
read it, and every single time they will say that their leadership style is the best. But when you apply it in your own context, 99% of the time you will fail. Because you're seeking counsel from someone else and not from the Lord. And it's for this fact that we need to really consider where we gain our influence from. Where do you gain your influence from? Because where we get it from influence our thinking pattern and our decision making. Where are you getting your influence from? Are we receiving wicked counsel from wicked people? Are we filling our minds with wicked things that influence wrong thinking? Telling us to focus on the problem instead of the problem solver. Or even lead us to sadness and depression. And it's true. Sometimes what we read in the internet is the internet's full of bad news. And if you keep reading and reading those bad news sooner or later, you'll just be depressed. Another question that I want to ask you is this. Where are we receiving counsel from? Can you think of at least two? Where are you receiving your counsel from? Your manager? Your boss? Maybe your wife or your husband? Where? And another question that we need to ask is this, and it's more difficult, okay? Maybe we, can, we know where we receive our counsel from, but this question is a little bit more difficult. And this is that question, do we recognize wicked counsel? Do you recognize wicked counsel? That must be right, you know, we say that. That must be right because it feels right. It really feels right. He must be the perfect person for me. Why? Because it, it, it feels right. Who, who felt that before? <laughs> right? I can message her all night because it feels right. Or I think this is the right decision. Why? Because it feels right. And oftentimes than not, oftentimes than not, we are led to doing a decision because it feels right. Right? Who's guilty? I can eat lechon because it feels right. I can eat roasted all night because it feels right. Sisig is good right now. Why? Because it feels right. If we recognize this ungodly advice and turn away from it, we're actually blessed. We're actually blessed. If you recognize this ungodly advice before you take action, we are actually blessed. And bluntly speaking, we can only recognize you know, this wicked advice if we first seek counsel from the Word of God. Amen? Because we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds from wickedness daily. How? By meditating on it day and night by meditating on the word of god day and night so if being blessed means this 
the enviable position of going forward by the grace of God to know Him better. Then blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Imagine this. What's the definition? A person going forward by the grace of God, right? That's the definition, right? And you see here how perfect the Word of God is because now he's saying that blessed is the person who does not stand in the way of sinners. That means he's being stopped from, he's stopped from moving forward nor sitting in the seat of scoffers. You see how perfect the, the Word of God is? You see that? Or is it just me? <laughs> right? It's so perfect. It's so complete. Just one single word being blessed and explains the whole verse. It explains why we shouldn't stand nor sit because being blessed is moving forward. So standing in the way of sinners is not an option. We see this transition from just thinking about it. Remember? Seeking the counsel of the wicked. We were just thinking about it. Now we're moving. We're taking action, standing in the way of sinners. And soon later, we will be sitting in the seat of scoffers. You see the progression? The way we think influences our actions. So standing in the way of sinners is not an option for a Christian. We see this transition from just thinking to being influenced to doing things. Again, contrary to what the Word says about being blessed with just moving forward. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. What does standing in the way of sinners mean? Now, as someone who has experienced the reality of Jesus Christ, we all have an idea of how a sinner looks like. Amen? Who among you have been changed from, uh, from before to here? When you met Christ, were you changed? Were you Bet, are, are you a better person now than you can? Can you say that you're a better person now than before you met Christ? Yes? So you have a vision of how a sinner looks like. You have a vision of how a, you know, you know, how the thinking patterns of a sinner looks like. Because you experienced that. You were not born this way. Or are we? Right? Now, can you still remember how you acted and the way you think before you met Christ? Can you still remember that? I do. Before I met Christ, drinking was okay. Actually, we even post it on our Facebook and we're even proud about it. Amen? Before we met Christ, partying all night was okay. And then I, you can go back to your Facebook stories and you'll see pictures of you partying all night and I can see someone smiling in the back. Okay? Being entitled was also okay back then. Do you still remember that? That I bought this item, I don't care, change it now. I worked hard for it, I don't care, pay me now. Being entitled was okay before you met Christ. So do you see how standing in the way of a sinner looks like? So blessed is a man who is no longer like that. Blessed is the man who's not, who does not stand in that way. And as believers, it's easy for us to see that path. It's easy for us to recognize sin. 
Isn't it? It's easy for us to recognize a person that is sinning. Amen? It's easy for us to recognize that that person is some, doing something wrong. Right? Because we were once like that. We can recognize sin. We can see when the action does not honor God. But because God's work is perfect and authoritative, what we really must be aware of is not the person that is doing sin. Listen to this. Listen to this. What we should be aware of is not the person that is doing sin. Not the person that is standing in the way of sinners. We shouldn't be aware of that. Because we already know that. Because we experience that. See, the word of God is so complete that it continues to say, Blessed is the man that does not sit in the seat of scoffers. And I want you to listen to this. Just give me five minutes. If there's a takeaway that you need to bring home with you this afternoon is this. Do not sit in the seat of scoffers. What does scoffers mean? Scoffers are worse than, than people standing in the way of sinners. Scoffers, you know, and this is actually more challenging to us as believers because scoffers, it, we're easily, you know, unrecognizingly, unaware. We will sit in the way of the scoffers, in the seat of scoffers. Uh, you will just find yourselves there one day. So you need to listen to this. Scoffers are in this position of ridiculing and mocking others. And let me illustrate this. Let me illustrate this. Five minutes. Imagine someone like me watching over your lives. And every time you make a mistake, I mock you and ridicule you. Ah, you're overeating again. You told me you want to lose weight, but you're overeating too much CC, too much rice. Ah, you told me you want to walk with God, but what they're doing? You're drinking. That's mocking and that's coughing. And who among us have been like that? Ah, you're on sin. I don't like you. I don't want to be part of you. I don't want to even be near you. Because we felt that we have been saved, we are entitled to say to, to you know to, to just judge others and say you are a sinner again. That's the way of the scoffer, and it's easy for us to feel, to, to fall in that seat. Instead of restoring that person in love, as what the scripture says. The scoffers destroy the longing of that person to be right with Christ by pointing out faults and failures. You're not properly dressed. You're not properly talking. You don't speak properly. But you're speaking to a person that longs to be with Christ. But instead of helping that person, you know, you, you, you say, you're wrong, you're bad. We've all been like that. I've been like that, I know. The scoffer is busy. You know what, he's, that's what the scoffer is doing? He's busy picking up stones to throw at persons. Sadly, sadly, as the scoffer, you know, picks up stones to throw at people, you know what happens to the scoffer? He gets weighed down because it's going to be heavy. Try picking up stones and put it on your clothes. Sooner or later, it's going to be heavy. You can't carry it. 
And that's the way of the scoffer. And because it's too heavy, that's why he's just sitting. Because he can no longer walk. And he's just waiting for the next person to pass by his life. And then, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. And then he'll pick up stones again. Sad part is this, he even misquotes the Bible. For what? To show that you are a sinner. You are a sinner. Don't throw stones at me. When Christians fall, we sometimes find ourselves in the position to grab rocks. Amen? Amen? And prepare to stone the person to death. That's a sad truth. It is unfortunate. It is a very unfortunate reality of life. But, you know, when, when, we talk, when I talk about throwing stones, there's one passage in the Bible that reminds me. It reminds me about, of the lady that was supposed to be stoned to death. What did Christ do? He drew a line. And that line is not drawn to segregate that person because she is a sinner. That line was drawn to restore the person. Because after that incident, what did Jesus say? Go, your sins have been forgiven. Warning, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Criticizing someone when they're down, that's very easy. Anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. Judging someone is easy. Anyone can do that. It's easy to judge incorrectly when we see someone who has fallen to sin. We pick up stones. It's easy to throw at them. But it's difficult to restore a person. Being blessed means that we are in a position that, is inv- that, that people want to be in. Why? Because they see us going forward by the grace of God to know Him better. If you're stuck in the seat of scoffers, stand up, move forward. You are also in a position to restore them. Galatians 6.1, it says here, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritually, who are spiritually, who are spiritual rather, should restore him in a spirit of what? Scoffing? Scoffing? Gentleness. Otherwise, keep watch. Why? Because you too may be tempted. When we see a Christian going back to standing in the way of sinners, be like Christ. Restore, not destroy. It's easy to destroy. It's really easy to destroy. But if you want to apply God's word, you would apply this. I can see, you know, the eyes of Christ when, she was, when he was looking at the lady it wasn't an eye of judgment. It wasn't a condescending eye. It was an eye of love. It was a look of love. Amen? Verse 2. 
But his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, when we read this, we find it challenging to meditate on the Word of God day and night. It is. It's challenging. A research said that the average pastor in the U.S., pre-COVID times, of course, spends about five minutes a day in prayer. Wow, pastor, five minutes a day in prayer. Eh, what about us? We have to remember that this was, you know, but when we look at this word, we have to remember that this was written to Jews 3,000 years ago. And at, that, at the age of five, remember, they started memorizing the first five books of the Bible, which is a lot. It was a lot of to memorize. But it's not about memorizing. It's not. But meditating on the Word of God. It's, you can memorize the whole Bible, but if you don't meditate on one verse, that memorization is useless. Meditate. There is a relationship between reflecting, memorizing, meditating on God's Word, and seeing how that moves us forward. I know a person who has memorized so many verses. And when I was in high school, I had, I had friends from the Baptist church. And every day they would share the, mem the verses that they memorized. But you know, during breaks, we would actually go to the beach and start drinking during lunchtime. And I kid you not, you can go to my high school and see my records there. Now, if we do not allow the Word of God to change us, do we really delight in God's Word? Or is it just head knowledge? Head knowledge so that we can have something to share when we meet as a group. Head knowledge so that we can just prove to our life group leaders that we read the Bible. You know, they would call me, oh, how have you read your Bible today? I said, yes, yes, yes. Psalm 1. Huh? If we do not allow, I want you to listen, listen to this. If we do not allow our inputs to turn into outputs, that, that, does that mean that we still delight in God's Word? Because if we really delight in God's Word, we allow it to transform us. We allow it to make us, you know, to make us into men and women that God wants us to be. I don't think there is delight if you don't... Uh, uh, I don't think you're delighted with God's Word if you don't allow it to transform you. Amen? If you don't allow God's word to transform you, then that means that you're just doing it so that you can meet a spiritual quota and you're not delighting in it. Because if you delight in it, you will be demonstrating it and proclaiming it. I don't think there is a delight in the law of the Lord when you read it without transformation because you're missing the whole point. To meditate on something means to recall Ponder and interact with the Word in your mind. What I do sometimes when I read the Word of God, I, 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 don't, I just select maybe a sentence or a, a verse, and I keep that in my head the whole day. We mentally chew on the Word of God until it becomes what? Part of us. Like the seasick that you eat, like the chicken skin that you eat, it becomes part of your blood you know, circulation system. Because, but because of our competitive nature sometimes, there is always the temptation to read more than the others. Amen? 
Because of our competitive nature, sometimes we, oh, let's read more. I want to read more so that I can share some share more. But if you want to delight in the Word of God, you meditate on it. If you want to meditate on the Word of God, you keep it in your head and chew on it every single day. I have an injured shoulder. I have an injured shoulder that my friend with no hair massages every week. You'll be sorry. I love you, bro. And what I notice is this. Whenever he feels a lump in the muscles, he focuses on that. That's what I feel. He focuses on that and until that lump is gone. And we find challenges in our lives. There will always be lumps like that. There will be times when you will find a, a barrier that prevents you from moving forward. And if you think that that verse speaks to that challenge in your life, meditate on that verse until the challenge is gone. When we meditate on the Word of God, we think about how it connects to our lives. The Word of God is not just a mental ascent. It's not just to prove that we know something. We meditate on that and see how it connects to our lives because the Word of God is like that massage that I received from my friend. Allow it to massage those lumps in your life your, until you are freed from those lumps. How does the Word speak to you? How does the Word speak to, your, speak to your circumstance today? Have you ever thought about that? If not, here is an encouragement. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it talks about, the delight, about delighting in the Word of God. 105 is actually one of my favorite. And it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The gap between being blessed and meditation is the word of God. If you want to be blessed, go to the word of God. That's the, the gap between meditation and being blessed is the word of God. The gap between knowing you are blessed and experiencing blessing, what is that? Action. If the word is the lamp to your feet, uh, is the lamp to your feet and a light to your path, let that word move you forward. And people will know you are blessed. Look at life from the lens of the word. Act according to it, and you will experience the blessing. And if you want to remember this, remember this in this way. Lab. Not love. Lab. L-A-B. Look at life from the lens of the word. Act A according to it, and you will experience the blessing. Say it with me. Lab. Look at life with the lens of the word. Act according to it, and you will experience the blessing. You will be like the blessed person in verse 3. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he what? He prospers. 
You may have little, you may have a lot, but that doesn't say that you're blessed. You can say you're blessed when you are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season and its leaf does not wither. God is using His Word to guide us and lead us. Oftentimes, God will also use people to help us understand the Word so that we may have a better understanding of it. So whenever we face challenges, Remember this, you are a tree planted by streams of water. And that stream of water is the Word of God. And that stream of water is God Himself. Because that stream of water brings life. Remember that our strength does not come from what we learned. Remember that our strength comes from the Lord and His Word. His Word tells us how to handle and overcome the challenges of life. And from this, you know, and as you, ex- you overcome those challenges in life, you will have delight, peace, joy, and calm, even in the midst of the stormiest storms even in the midst of the challenges you face in any season. Yes, there is a stars for all season, but I don't believe in that. I believe in the Lord of all seasons. Yes, there's a star for all seasons, but I don't believe in that. I believe in the provider for all seasons. So that in any season, you know what? You can bear fruit. You can bear fruit. So whatever season you are in right now, maybe you're busy, maybe you're facing challenges, I want to encourage you by reminding you that the season that you're in right now is nothing compared to the God who created the seasons. Our God is bigger than that. And this is the blessed life that we can walk on to. And this is the blessed life that you can take hold of today. The blessed life of being in a relationship with the Lord. Devoting, meditating, living, and sharing the Word of God as we walk forward in knowing Him. Why don't we all stand? Lab. Lab. I want lab because God loves you. Psalm 119, 14 to 16 says this. In the way of our testimonies, I delight in as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Why don't we read this all together? And as we read it, let's let this become our prayer. Let's say, Lord, I want to be this person. I want to be this person. I want to be this. I want this to be a declaration of my life. Now, if you want to do this with me, please. Let's all declare this. Let's read it all together. Psalm 119, 14 to 16 says this.
in the way of your testimonies. I delight as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight on your statues. I will not, I will not forget your word. One more time. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Now, if there's any one of you who has put aside the word of God because you're busy, because you're hurt, if there's anyone in this room right now who has, you know, put aside the word of God for a season, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for your word who has become flesh, who has redeemed us from sickness. And Father, I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for putting aside your word because I'm busy, because I'm hurt. And Lord, that right now, Lord God, I just seek for your forgiveness. Father, I pray that you will build in my heart a delight to know you more so that as I move forward, as I move closer to you, I can proclaim your word. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for your word that reminds us, Lord God, that there is a blessing, Lord God, in you as we read your word, meditate on it, and obey it. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you grant us eyes, Lord God, that will look at beyond, Lord God, what we see. Lord God, that the blessings we will be after, Lord God, is not material things, Lord God, but a relationship with you. Father, I pray right now for those who are facing challenges. Lord, may your word come alive in their hearts. May your word, Lord God, come alive in their life. And Father, I pray, Lord God, right now, in your mighty name, Father, that you will give them the grace, the strength, Lord, and the heart to know you, meditate on your word, obey and move forward, that whatever challenge they face, Lord, wherever they are right, right now, right, God, they may, Lord, may they feel blessed, Lord, because they have a relationship with you. Lord, give us the eagerness to meditate on your laws. Lord, give us the eagerness, Lord God, to experience delight in your life, in our lives, Lord. Delight from you. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will have our eyes, Lord, fixed on your words. And Father, may we not depart, Lord God, from your statutes. Lord, give us the grace, the strength, and the ability, Lord, not to forget even a dot even an iota from your word. Everything else in this world will pass away, but not your word, Lord. Lord, let us, Lord God, give, that, give us, Lord God, the strength, Lord God, just to hold fast, Lord God, to your word. And Father, as we do this, Lord God, remind us, Lord, that we do this because we want to know you more. Lord, align our hearts with yours. Align our hearts with yours, Lord. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's lift our hands to receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and remind you every single day of how you are blessed by Him and by Him alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are now dismissed. See you again next week at 11 a.m. Now, if you are a married person and you would like to be part of the Alpha Marriage Course, please approach me or approach Jean or approach Army. And then you can just register using bit.ly slash enbh marriage course. Thank you so much.
Fire. 
Your eyes to see the glory of 
bows before you, Lord. I will not stop till they all see your glory, see your glory. King of glory, King of glory, come and Mountain high, no valley low, 
I'm free. 